Welcome to Burn News Current Affairs Podcast with Jeremy Deacon. Listen at your leisure on www.burnnews.com. Bermuda Bistro at the Beach is centrally located on Front Street in Hamilton. Our dedicated service staff are ready to serve you a selection of delicious items for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Open daily from 9 a.m. till 3 a.m., Bermuda Bistro is Bermuda's best spot for pub fare, gourmet burgers, and specialty cocktails. Happy hours at the Beach are Bermuda's number one hotspot and host an array of live entertainment. Joining me today for our latest uh, Bernie's podcast is the Governor, uh, George Ferguson. Thank you very much, Mr. Ferguson. I know you've got a busy schedule, but I know um, this will be the, probably the last one of the last media interviews you do because you're leaving soon. I'm leaving on the 2nd of August, uh, as I've been saying, uh, the week after cup match, regardless of the result. And you'll be going to cup match, obviously. I'll be going to cup match. Who are you supporting? I will be supporting Bermuda Cricket. (laughs) I had to ask that question. And what will you be doing in your retirement? Are you retiring? I'm not not planning to retire, but but I'm not quite sure what I'm doing next. Uh, It's quite normal going back to London. London jobs tend to be... Sorted out at shorter notice. Uh, there's quite a lot of our people going on in London at the moment. You're coming on to my next question. Uh, You're reading my uh, mind. Uh, so I know what my wife is doing. She's the head of information risk for the British Council and is working remotely in Bermuda and at the moment four days a week. She's going back to doing that on the spot and uh, getting paid five days a week, I think. In very fact, nice. she's been working very close to five days a week anyway. If you wanted to. A nice idea, but I think that's not going to happen yet. You mentioned going back to London in turmoil. Obviously, part of the turmoil is Brexit, and it's still very topical. Um, in terms of Brexit, how do you think? What's your opinion on how Bermuda might be affected by that? I don't think Bermuda will be affected very much. Um, and there are some territories for whom it's much more intimate, most obviously Gibraltar, which is the one territory that EU rules and laws applies to directly. And uh, it's got a land border with a member state. Um, Some of the other territories have quite big physical trade um, in physical objects to the EU. And we'll obviously be interested in how those get negotiated. Uh, Others get European development funding, uh, sometimes in quite significant amounts. Uh, So they'll be quite interested to see how that Uh, gets negotiated Uh, but Bermuda doesn't come into any of those categories Mm. I think Solvency 2 is a helpful assurance Uh, it was a very valuable thing to get last year I think it's uh, looking even more sensible now Mm -hmm. Um, because that's probably where the the biggest hit if the the word hit is appropriate might come in terms of the financial markets for Bermuda especially as it seems like uh, Europe is making a bit of a grab for a lot of London's uh, financial uh, financial markets at the moment I think well Solvency 2 will help Um, I think if I was going to be cautious um, the UK has been quite a big champion of things which matter to Britain and which also matter to Bermuda. Uh, And that voice will be um, less evident Mm. in Brussels. Mm. And I mean, I have no idea how the negotiations are going to work. The UK is obviously going to be negotiating all out to ensure that its own position is as good as it possibly can be. And that, I think, would help Bermuda as well. But I think there are obviously differences in uh, how 
um, British or indeed Bermuda style regulation is viewed by some of the other strong member states uh, and how that comes out in the wash I think is something for Bermuda to watch. Something for Bermuda to watch, I notice the Premier is going to the OTC meeting soon isn't he to actually discuss Brexit presumably um, at some stage in some way the OTC territories will be consulted about Brexit. Definitely I mean, the former Prime Minister on pretty well day one after Brexit made it very clear that uh, the devolved Scotland, Northern Ireland, Wales and the overseas territories and the Crown dependencies would be closely consulted. But I don't think uh, even uh, Scotland with five million people, uh, the new Prime Minister has made it clear that Scotland can't have a veto. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's going to be very important that the other governments are consulted. Do you think it'll be with David Davis, the Brexit Minister, directly or will it be through the Governor here? I honestly don't know. Um, I, I have no idea. Ah, right. A lot of these systems are very new, are being sorted out. Indeed, but, with that I think, ministry is being set up still. But I've been quite struck that um, the extent to which overseas ter- territories have been directly referred to by the successive prime ministers uh, in this context. Um, so I think I think that is that is real. Um, during your tenure here, you, you've had um, the odd controversial moment. Uh, perhaps uh, none more so than when people marched on Government House after your uh, refusal, I suppose, to, to grant a commission of inquiry into the, into the Tucker's Point controversy. Um, how much damage did that do to the position of Governor here, do you think? I don't think it did damage to the position of Governor. To the I, reputation? I, I have to say, I, I um, quite accidentally, uh, but no doubt dishonourably, was on holiday that week. I so remember your my, deputy my, account, my, my poor acting Governor deputy uh, did that one. I don't think that. Well, maybe, for other, maybe for other people to judge what the reputation of the governor is, <laughs> to asking the, the governor that is. Uh, but it wasn't just that, was it? I mean, it was a thing over Rory Field as well. There was another controversy, not promoting, a, promoting or appointing a Bermudian uh, DPP. Well, I think t- taking them separately, the the Tucker's Point Airport, Morgan's Point, estate agents, lawyers, um, bankers, because it was a composite thing. Uh, I took it seriously. Uh, the, the Constitution gave the duty of setting up commissions of inquiry to the Governor in his discretion. Um, so it is up to a Governor, uh, although since then the, uh, the Premier has also got the power to set up a commission. Uh, it's not for Parliament, but obviously Parliament advises the Governor, the Governor would take... Well, it was a majority seriously. voting Parliament, wasn't it? Yes, but that's not binding. No, I mean, I the, 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 it's, it's at the Governor's discretion. Uh, but very obviously, if the, uh, if the Parliament says something, then you pay attention. And I did pay attention. I did quite a lot of research into the Tucker's Point one and was actually rather surprised at how detailed the checks and balances were in that uh, 1920s legislation... Uh, there was provision for the company to make um, uh, compensation. There was provision for appeals for the compensation to go uh, to another body laid down in statute. There was provision for, if you weren't satisfied with that, for it to go to arbitration with a panel, nothing to do with the company. And there was specific provision to take it to court as well if you wanted, uh, which by the standards of... 90 years ago, I think, was pretty impressive. Um, there's one recorded case of somebody who was extremely unhappy, uh, but the contemporary 
nobody wants to be disrupted from their home, but compensation helps. But over the last 90 years, there's been a lot of compulsory purchase in Bermuda and around the world. Uh, that one did not, on balance, strike me as being something that, in which there's much point in the Commission of Inquiry um, many, 90 years later. The other elements, the, the wartime compulsory purchases, similarly, I, mean, I wasn't aware of massive public concern about that. Sure, there was concern in Parliament, uh, but again, looking at the historical record, the loudest complaints at the time seemed to be the people who just missed out on the compulsory purchase and therefore on the compensation. Mm. The bit that did worry me more, and I had some very interesting conversations from across the political divide, um, there did seem to be something in the allegations of a series of um, questionable deals by possibly colluding estate agents, lawyers, bankers in the 50s, 60s and 70s. Um, again, it was whether there was enough demand on that, and a lot of the um, debate in the House didn't particularly focus on it, no. to justify a commission of inquiry, I wasn't sure. What I was on more sure ground was that the governor has the power to spend the princely sum of $100 a day on a commission of inquiry. And I wasn't sure that I'd get that very easily, even if I wanted to go down, that I'd get much of a commission for that price. The government wasn't very keen on the commission of inquiry at all, so if I went to them and asked for the money, I'm not sure I would have got a very positive answer. Parliament sort of addressed that and said, well, he can get the money from Britain. To be honest, going to Britain to ask for money to investigate questionable practices by estate agents in the 1950s in a highly devolved Bermuda. Well, I knew the answer I'd have got, uh, and actually I wasn't going to ask for that. Mm. So what I did do was to say, can I have clearer terms of reference, and can I have clearer advice on the funding? And there the matter rests. I um, still haven't heard still my back on that. So I can't say I... Suggest there's no appetite for it. Um, <coughs> it's not for me to, to question on appointments, appointments are, to sensitive positions, are rightly sensitive matters. Uh, they're important matters. I think they're among the most important things that a governor does. Um, I think that there is some point in having what I've described elsewhere as a benign alien, uh, making the appointments of the people who hold other people to account or enforce the law in a small community, and it can be done in, in other ways, uh, the, uh, it's part of holding the executive uh, to account. And if the executive makes these appointments in a small community, it can get a bit circular. Uh, and having a benign alien make these appointments, uh, then I think it helps make some of the accountability a bit more independent. So you, you're suggesting that Bermuda is not in a position to do that then itself? I think it could. Uh, you know, there are independent countries smaller than, than Bermuda. Uh, but I think while we've got this system, uh, I think the external checks and balances that a governor brings in to these sensitive appointments has some point. It, does, that, does, that, um, does that hold with the police as well, do you think? Yes. That line of question, that line and there, of are other ways, there are other ways of doing it. Um, and as I say, there are independent countries that, although actually there are independent countries in the, in the Caribbean, 
who have externally appointed judges mm. um, the, in the Eastern Caribbean um, Criminal Court, Court of Appeal, whatever it is. Mm. Um, so, I mean, you can, you can do that. Uh, you can risk doing it entirely internally. And the Crown Dependencies, uh, Jersey, Guernsey, Mann, um, I think have a... Um, the, certainly it isn't the role of the Lieutenant Governor. Uh, but I think there are two things that come into play there. One is that they would usually use... Uh, a panel that involves outsiders and the other is that they are closer to uh, uh, British media Mm -hmm. and if they start making a mess of things uh, they are accountable at least through media Mm -hmm. to a wider audience Because the police has been a bit of a bone of contention in the past might not have been you but certainly previous premiers have laid the blame at the governor's door for not taking action over certain crimes such as gang crimes well, it isn't the uh, the governor who um, sort of sets off investigations in that or other contexts. Uh, but in terms of gang crimes, when I arrived, my first day's speech, uh, when uh, gang violence was even more mm. uh, prominent uh, than it is today, uh, I have had some involvement in dealing with uh, with gang crime both in, in, in the UK um, in Boston when I was Consul General we worked quite closely with the police in sharing best practice and most recently in New Zealand where uh, some of the things that they do in Auckland has been really very interesting my impression when I came and it's certainly been reinforced since is that the police are doing a pretty good job on the policing side of of gang crime, but it uh, is very much not a purely police issue. If you handle it simply as a criminal matter, you're going to miss the point. Clearly, yes. Uh, and I think in the time I've been here, there has been more of an acceptance of it not just being a matter for the police, uh, more involvement by other bits of government and indeed bits with government um, I personally think there's room for that coordination being tighter uh, but um, and the problem hasn't gone away No, no it's, it's emanating itself in different areas now with uh, armed robberies and things like that just, just moving on a little bit you mentioned the airport um, and the letter of interest I didn't mention the airport well you, you use the word airport <laughs> In the, in the letter of entrustment uh, last July, almost a year ago, um, talked about, uh, I believe, and this is from the uh, Foreign and Commonwealth Office, I believe the continued deterioration of Bermuda's fiscal situation to be a cause of significant concern, and taking on board more debt isn't likely to provide a sustainable solution of the longer term, not debt obviously in terms of the airport. But the interesting thing there is the, the cause of significant concern of Bermuda's debt. How much of a concern is that, and why, to the government, to the British government? There isn't a direct contingent legal liability uh, between the the UK and Bermuda. Um, And the United Kingdom wouldn't have a formal obligation to bail Bermuda out, as far as I can tell. Um, But uh, 
clearly there's a very close relationship between the UK and Bermuda in terms of um, sort of family links um, constitutionally and literally uh, in terms of reputation, in terms of politics and so on. So uh, it would clearly be a major matter for concern if Bermuda was to do something like default, which is not on the cards. But when uh, the UK government sees debt levels going up to um, very high levels, then that is something that the UK uh, has reason to worry about. Uh, I think um, when Ireland was in major financial trouble and Ireland had gone to a lot of trouble to be independent of the United Kingdom, the United Kingdom was one of several countries that uh, put its hand in its pocket. Mm. Uh, So uh, although there is neither a legal obligation uh, nor very much that the UK can do directly about it other than offer, offer friendship and help and advice. Uh, it is a reasonable issue to have a concern about. I suppose morally the UK would be on the hook for something. I, I think I mean, it's, it's uh, likely that other countries would say uh, Bermuda is in the UK family, what are you going to do about it? There'd be a bit of pressure. Um, in terms of the airport itself, was there any um, uh, any input from the British government into pursuing having a new airport? In terms of regulations, uh, security, etc.? No. Uh, the United Kingdom government, through the governor, is responsible for um, Bermuda's compliance with international regulations. But um, that wasn't a driver towards this in no. Bermuda. Okay. Because it complies. Bermuda being Bermuda, there's rumour upon rumour that was the case, but mm. there was no interference in that. Okay. Um, just again on the airport, um, there was a Deloitte report some time ago which highlighted a few uh, gaps in, in the government's plan, to, to, to summarise very quickly. And the UK government um, did say the government of Bermuda must publish a written and evidence based assurance that the required measures have been taken before the contract is concluded, can be concluded. The last story I saw on this was that report was ready to be submitted. Has it actually been submitted now? Yes. And has the government looked at it? The British government, yeah. it? yes. And the result is? Uh, there's still some exchanges going on, but broadly it, it looks like it's been met. So the government here is free to sign a contract with CCC? The letter of entrustment uh, of July 2015 was the one... Um, legal obligation that uh, that the government of Bermuda had with the UK government. Um, The outcome of that, including the Deloitte report that you mentioned, um, uh, required the Bermuda government to uh, uh, both to to jointly set up the Deloitte report and address the gaps it might identify. That has pretty well happened. I mean, the, the, so the, but there isn't a second lock for the, for the British government. And this whole issue is within the area of Bermuda's economic development, which is devolved. Um, the, the bit of the letter you read out um, uh, shows that the UK government takes a concern about debt levels, which 
to be fair, so does the Bermuda government. Um, but so that the UK government was keen to see uh, value for money be demonstrated. But uh, the only formal lockers that the UK government had in the building of an airport was because of the, um, the, the chance, in a sense, uh, that it was involving a government-to-government agreement with, uh, formally, as it said in the document, the Queen in, re- in respect of Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the Canadian Commercial Corporation is a Crown agency. Uh, if the government of Bermuda had gone off and done a deal with a purely private sector uh, entity, the UK government would have had no lockers. Right. So I think the UK government very reasonably said we need to, um, um, in a sense, um, mark the value for money um, issue mm-hmm. and take uh, a responsibility to make sure that that is um, dealt with in a demonstrative way. So just, but, just, but, but it wasn't for the UK government to get understood. into micromanaging the No, understood. But just, just to be clear then, that virtually all the report has been agreed now, or, or agreed to, so the government is, will very soon, the Bermuda government will very soon be free to actually sign the contract with CCC. The word free, I think, is slightly misleading, because the Able Deloitte to. report and meeting the things identified by it was something that the Bermuda government needed to demonstrate. Yes. Um, it said before to, the contract to, can to, be concluded. To the public, to the UK government, to itself. Mm. Um, but uh, that's a matter of transparency. It isn't a matter that they're not free till the British government does something. But it does say before the contract can be concluded, yeah. which to me reads like an instruction almost. Well, I think we're, without splitting hairs, we're pretty well there. OK. Um, in terms of uh, legislation, I'm not sure how many people listening to this will understand the gov- governor's role. Now, I'm just interested to know how much input you've had in your time here into legislation in, that's been drafted in Bermuda. Um, legislation is a matter for members of the House of Assembly, usually promoted by the government. Uh, the I haven't withheld my signature from I mean, my my input is usually is, is under the constitution a fairly negative one I can withhold my signature and yeah. I haven't done that yeah. um, there are bits of legislation that I may um, encourage by lobbying uh, but I can't introduce legislation no I understand that uh, yes. so have you advised on the content of legislation in the past yes uh, I, for instance I will sometimes um, or sometimes I if people are willing to listen to me, I'll advise anyone on anything. Um, there are things like the, the role of the police, trying to make sure that the, the police's interests have been taken in uh, into proper account, uh, or similar things in respect of the regiment. So um, where I've got a constitutional responsibility, uh, or indeed where I've got an interest, I will talk to people to try and ensure that that gets reflected. Right, fair enough. But it's not a hands-on role you've ever had, and you've never, obviously never turned legislation down. You've never been helping to draft legislation for government. Um, I think that is right. Um, I mean, sometimes where there's been legislation which might involve... Well, strictly speaking... And where some, it might involve the UK, I suppose, and leave them on the Well, 
the, the areas in which I'm required to take uh, uh, more than an interest where I've got an obligation is if it breaches the Bermuda's constitution, I'd have to uh, withhold my signature and presumably would want it. Uh, if it breaches Bermuda's and the UK's international obligations, part of a government's job is to stop Britain ending up in some international court because of something Bermuda has done. Uh, so that's an area of Rather interest. Rather like Uyghurs, I suppose. Um, I'm not sure that's a good example because I suppose if Bermuda did something there that breached the convention, it might kick in. But I, I mean, they tend to be more in terms of areas to do with uh, human rights, highly regulated areas like shipping and aviation, um, those sort of things. Aviation is quite an important one, I suppose, because uh, I suppose that could leave Britain quite exposed, couldn't it? Well, and aviation is somewhere where the government wants to increase its role. Shipping and aviation are both ones. Where, I mean, Bermuda has a big and important register. Um, they're well run. Uh, they, um, uh, but in the end, if there was something wrong with their running or something goes wrong, uh, it's Britain that takes the first clout. So they, Britain looks to the governor to stop that happening. Would you agree with the assertion that quite a few people make, and I've seen written, it's not, it's not, a, not a secret, and I'm not making this up, that Bermuda does things really well, uh, some things up to a world-class kind of status, but then doesn't seem to be able to finish the job. There seems to be also a missing 10%. I mean, a breathalyzer, for instance, might be a good example where the legislation is there, it just needs to choose a, le- to, to choose a breathalyzer, but it's not being done. Do, do you get that sense at all? Do you get frustrated by that at all, if, if you agree with the assertion? Well, I think the examples you're taking are ones which are not within the government, governor's remit, so I, remit. Have to, I have to pay. Um, what I do think is that Bermuda's whole business model is to do with the export of probity, um, which is quite a good place to be, because Bermuda does it very well. Uh, the, I mean, in terms of financial services, uh, Bermuda uh, has a tough regulatory framework, and that's its selling point. People come here because they know where they are, uh, and because they know they're going to get a a, um, a, a a fair but tough umpire. And the sort of businesses that operate here want that. They don't want. Uh, sort of Klondike type stuff mm-hmm. um, Bermuda doesn't isn't in the business of um, having no regulations no tax anything goes come on in and give us money um, similarly in the areas of we've just been talking about maritime and aviation registers um, you go on to the Bermuda register because it's got a clear tough uh, regulation uh, the, by and large on the aviation side uh, it is people who the, the, the businesses that register their aircraft here want to make sure that the safety and management of the aircraft is being toughly regulated uh, so that they're not going to lose their money uh, and that any dispute is being done in a, uh, an, an independent and high quality court with ultimate access to the Privy Council. So, and similarly with shipping. Mm. Um, 
we're not a flag of convenience country on either aviation or shipping. You can have a business model that makes a bit of money out of the anything goes, but it's not Bermuda's. And I think this is mutually reinforcing. If we show that Bermuda does stuff excellently um, and we can make money by being excellent, we're in quite a good position. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes um, we should be more confident about um, how excellent we are and um, maybe do more to present ourselves proactively in a joined-up way in that respect. Because Bermuda has most of these things right. Can you just expand on that joined-up way idea? Um, To take one example that may sound absurd, uh, I remember a Sunday about two years ago on the road in in Bermuda. Somebody else was driving, I should say this, before I talk about using my telephone. (laughs) And I picked up that there had been a crash in uh, the Russian territory of Tatarstan of an aircraft, and very sadly 50 people had been killed. My immediate reaction was to check whether it was a Bermuda-registered aircraft, which it was, uh, and then make sure that the British Embassy in Moscow, the UK Department of Transport, the uh, Bermuda Ministry of Tourism, Development and Transport, uh, and Cabinet Office here, and we had an agreed line on why a Bermuda aircraft might have been crashing in Tatarstan. Um, The reason, as I said earlier, that Russian aircraft are registered here is, by and large, for greater assurance on their maintenance and safety. But you could have said this was um, a... A journalist might have highlighted the regularity of crashes, the number of Bermuda-registered aircraft in that jurisdiction and drawn another message. Um, that could potentially have damaged our probity as a financial services centre as well. And I think, given that there is a rather elegant matching of, the, of probity in all of these sect- sectors being Bermuda's selling point, uh, they need to be seen in the round. And it also fits rather conveniently with the high-quality um, package that we present on tourism as well. Hmm. But what happened? You, you contacted all those people. Well, luckily, in that case, no journalist uh, asked the question. But it was an illustration of, I don't think uh, those concerned with finance or with tourism would necessarily have reacted to the risks to their marketing of an aircraft crash in a distant bit of Russia. And I think that is worth considering maybe more carefully. Is that complacency? or? I don't think so, but I think um, uh, people get on with their own job. Uh, and I think there is room in this and other areas for um, uh, systems, government and wider to take a more joined-up view of Bermuda um, and, and managing and presenting things in Bermuda. Um, just changing the subject completely, of course, now. Um, talking Again, talking about a commission of inquiry, but a different one this time. That's into the uh, Auditor General's report, the one that the commission of inquiry has just started. Um, you, you, when it was announced that it was happening, you came out with, with a statement at the time saying uh, the report raised, the Auditor General's report raised serious concerns, and it is right 
these should be fully investigated and recommendations made. I was kind of struck by that. Um, were you asked to give that statement? Oh, yeah, I can't remember. Mm. Um, but it certainly reflects what I thought and think. Because at the time I remember seeing it and I wonder, that's interesting, the governor's issued a statement like that saying it's the right thing to do. Now, generally speaking, a journalist will go to you. It struck me, I don't know why, but I just had a feeling that you weren't asked. And it was, I thought it was um, an interesting thing for you, for the governor, to say that this is the right thing to do. After there had been calls for commission inquiries before, nothing had ever happened. Why, why okay, I'll, I'll rephrase the question rather than making a statement, I suppose, would help. Why do you think it's the right thing to do? I think there has been or had been for a while concerns about various things uh, in public administration. Uh, I was asked when I first came to set up a Royal Commission or a Commission Inquiry into the things that were going on. I thought then, and and I'm confident that it was correct, that given that a police investigation had already been announced and was underway. I wasn't sure that a commission of inquiry would add much to that. Um, And indeed, a commission of inquiry can get in the way of police investigations, uh, uh, either by delaying or just complicating it. Um, The the police investigations uh, are still continuing. Mm -hmm. Um, But... I thought, uh, whatever it was in December, three and a half years on, that um, in terms of the uh, public disquiet that I'd found when I first arrived, the public hadn't um, seen anything further. And I thought if uh, that there was, with the passage of time, a growing case to do something in that in that area um, as it happened uh, the Auditor General's report highlighted uh, both highlighted some of the issues which had been a matter of, cons- of public concern for a while um, raised questions which I think the public had a, had a right to get answers to and to some extent, the, um, her report uh, gave a fairly uh, clear set of terms of reference for a commission or something to base it on. Uh, so I think that the, the pressure or the suggestion that I faced when I arrived rather crystallised around that moment. Uh, as it happened, the, the Premier decided to go with the commission but it was something that um, I felt was appropriate. Had you raised the, the issue with the Premier before this? We had discussed it, yes. In what context? Uh, we, we discussed all sorts of things, mm. but um, and it, it was um, the law had changed, I think, in 2014 yes, allowed the House to, to allow the yeah. Premier to have a commission. Mm as well. Before that, it was only the governor. Mm. In some ways, it's rather easier for the Premier to do it, because I mentioned earlier the uh, $100 a day uh, count Indeed, it doesn't apply on, on the governor doing a commission uh, all by himself if he doesn't have the governor's, if government's support. Um, so, I mean, in a sense, who commissioned it? 
was a secondary matter. But uh, you know, I made clear that I was fully in support of it. Um, were you, just a personal opinion, I suppose, if you can give me it, were you, were you disappointed or in any way uh, pleased, I don't know, which, which, whichever way, that it didn't, this remit was relatively narrow, it only went back two or three years when it was first announced. Now, I know the Commission itself has expanded the remit, but do you think it should go back further? These things are tricky. Um, I mean, the remit originally, um, I think, and as I say, in the, in the end, I didn't launch the Commission, so this is more a matter for, for the Premier. I'll just ask but, your opinion. But I think you know, it made some sense to go with the period of the report that uh, was, in the end, the occasion for the Commission, the, the Auditor General's report. There's always a tricky balance, though, in these things, because you don't want a commission to go on forever and ever and ever. Mm -hmm. um, they cost money, um, people lose interest, it can get a bit out of control. Um, you don't want time frames to be completely arbitrary. Um, the, um, I mean, in this case, uh, I have in the back of my mind something like the Savile report in Britain into Bloody Sunday, uh, which uh, ended up costing uh, four hundred million pounds and uh, went on for nine or ten years and we 've seen the Chilcot report recently as well um, so I think it was sensible to try and give the commission the power to stay pretty focused um, but the commission has also um, been given the power to um, add bits if it thinks it's appropriate and it's done that I'm, no problem but I think there's always a balance between mm. speed and precision and uh, and price and comprehensiveness and maybe it'll take till everyone's died of old age um, Is your successor known to you yet? No Do you think that the UK should or would ever give the Bermuda government more say in selecting future governors? I think it's possible I mean I think um, you know, there's a lot in these relationships that's, that's up for grabs in, in discussion um, I don't think there are fundamental issues of principle in not having some input I think so long as there are um, uh, I've forgotten the word but interests that um, the UK government wants to protect like not being put into a, into a dock in an international uh, uh, mm. legal structure mm. because of a territory. There need to be safety valves that can ensure that um, Britain's interests get safeguarded. And the governor's pen on withholding legislation is one of those sort of safeguards. Um, and, but I think there Looking ahead, there's room for evolution. Bermuda has evolved in this area mm. more than uh, most or all of the other territories. It is self-governing to all intents and purposes. It is very largely self-governing. The other thing, of course, is as far as I know, there's never been a black or a female governor. That is true. I have no idea who will be my successor. When I first, when, when I, I was governor of Pitcairn when I was High Commissioner in New Zealand. My successor there was the first woman 
Governor of Pitka, or British High Commissioner in New Zealand. When I came here, the group of us who work quite closely together, uh, which is the five Caribbean territories plus Bermuda, uh, four years ago, all were, ma- all were male. Uh, it's now 3-3. Three, three. So none of these things are, uh, are set in stone. Would you welcome, would you like to see a female or a black governor? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. Um, and there aren't actually any obstacles to that. So yeah, I hope it happens. Um, just a couple more questions. The, the issue of reparations uh, has cropped up again. Um, in Bermuda, it wasn't that long ago, I think, um, uh, where Professor Maureen Shepherd, Vice Chair of CARICOM Reparations Committee, basically said that um, Bermuda should be included in any talks about reparations. And I think um, it was earlier this week or late last week, there was a fascinating report uh, from, university, uh, from a university researchers which showed the extent of slave ownership amongst British citizens, ordinary British citizens, who you know, would own five or six slaves and rent them out. Has the British government got any position, or do you know what the position is on the potential for reparations? Yes, uh, and the British government's view is that... Uh, Slavery and the slave trade was horrific, indefensible um, in terms of modern law. If you did it now, it would be a, a crime against humanity, although that concept didn't exist then. Uh, but that um, reparations and apologies for uh, events that took place over 200 years ago uh, is not appropriate. Uh, historically, uh, the um, Britain was, uh, and it's not to the credit of Britain, it's a shame, um, but was one of the first countries to stop the slave trade and were then very active in suppressing it, not only in the British Empire, but uh, interfering with other peoples. It, it helped to uh, stop it, but there, was a, there were several get-out clauses and an astonishing amount of compensation. The, the, then there was the abolition in uh, in. Uh, the 1830s in different parts of the empire but by the end of the 1830s it had been abolished everywhere Uh, and again uh, uh, more recently uh, the some there's not a direct connection but the uh, maintenance of uh, development funding in the Caribbean to some extent, addresses the points which the reparation, the CARICOM uh, reparation committee has identified as the sort of areas that need compensation. And there's been the £300 million package mm-hmm. announced by former Prime Minister Cameron, That's right, yeah. uh, which specifically goes into those sort of areas like economic development, health and education. Uh, not in Bermuda, it's just the Caribbean. Not in Bermuda, but then in cash terms, Bermuda is an awful lot richer ahead than the UK. Um, the British government's view is that apologies and reparations for things as long ago as that are not appropriate. They tend to get very complicated. That it is right that where there is economic hardship, uh, economic assistance should be uh, directed. But also that... Um, the horrors of slavery have not gone away in today's world, and the 2013 Modern Slavery Act uh, is 
addressing in the UK and I think has now got a counterpart in Bermuda, uh, is addressing some of the horrendous trading and exploiting of people that's going on now. Last question, really. Have you enjoyed your time here? I've loved it. It's been great. What have you enjoyed most? um, It's like being in Bermuda. It is a fascinating place. It's got layers of history and culture and um, physical beauty and um, nice and interesting people. The job itself is fascinating. It's very satisfying to have um, an opportunity, for better or for worse, and I hope it's been for better, to make a difference. Uh, it's a great privilege in this job to be able to talk to anyone um, and actually for them to talk to you as well. Uh, and I think people have taken advantage of being able to talk to me, which is great, and I've certainly enjoyed talking to them and sometimes making connections where getting around the island as much as we have, somebody uh, raises some issue and we're in the privileged position, not necessarily having any clout, but being able to mention the thing to somebody else and uh, rather like a, a bee going from one bit of pollen to another. Um, uh, and that can sometimes be good. But no, we, we've had a, a, a very nice time and we're very grateful to everyone for their welcome, their hospitality, their friendliness. On that note, Governor, thank you very much for your time. Bermuda Bistro at the Beach is centrally located on Front Street in Hamilton. Our dedicated service staff are ready to serve you a selection of delicious items for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Open daily from 9 a.m. till 3 a.m., Bermuda Bistro is Bermuda's best spot for pub fare, gourmet burgers, and specialty cocktails. Owned and operated by Mr. Richard Olson, Mr. Olson brings his wealth of knowledge and expertise in the restaurant industry to create a restaurant and bar that attracts all walks of life. Happy Hours at the Beach are Bermuda's number one hotspot that hosts an array of live entertainment featuring Bermuda's top entertainers. Stay late and enjoy the beats of local DJs spinning reggae, soca, and more. Bermuda Bistro at the Beach is the fame of Front Street. Thank you for tuning in to Burn News Current Affairs Podcast with Jeremy Deacon. Listen at your leisure on www.burnnews.com, your 24-7 Bermuda news source.